Hello and welcome to the Local Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Johnson. The Local Leaders Podcast provides a platform for successful business owners to share their stories, their experiences, their advice, and their ideas in order to help our listeners achieve more success in their business and in their lives. Get ready. Another great show is coming up. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Local Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Johnson, and I'm thrilled today to be joined by by a legend in Massachusetts. Uh, (laughs) He's probably going to smile at that, but uh, we've got... We've got Scott Plath with us today from Stone's Hospitality Group, and with his wife, Kathleen, they actually have three restaurants within their their group, Um, and I'm going to introduce those, Cobblestones of Lowell, Moonstones 110, and Stone Social. Did I get it all right, Scott? That is correct, sir. Yes, you did. All right. I'm not sure about the legend part, but thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's what I've been hearing, so you know, I figured I'd just toss that out there. I think but, uh, infamous, maybe. Yeah, that that well, that may be that may be closer to the truth. But uh, but either way, thank you for being here here today. We appreciate you taking some time on this Friday morning to talk with us. So thank you. My pleasure. Hey, um, to get get us rolling, I, I'd love to hear uh, a little bit about kind of your journey with um, uh, building your business, Stones Hospitality Group, um, mm. and um, and a little bit about you know each of your different. Uh, brands that that you guys have within the group at this point. Sure, be happy to do so. Um, you know, the story started in, in my neighborhood in New York when I was 12 years old, delivering newspapers and and an opportunity to take a larger route uh, presented. So I I took my uh, you know my my neighbor's route and doubled the size of my route, which per, put me to a restaurant on the uh, fringe of the of the neighborhood. And uh, one day, one of the three brothers that owned the restaurant asked me if I wanted to be a busser and dishwasher on weekends. And, uh, and at 13 years old, I was washing dishes and, and, uh, and, and bussing tables. And I just fell in love with the business. You know, it was, I'm one of the very fortunate people, you know, fortunate or, or dumb, I don't know, but I, I never looked back. Uh, it, it was like, like this, is, this is going to be my life's work, these guys are are happy and they play music and they have beautiful wives and great cars and it's uh they make a living entertaining people you know just the you know all of the senses stimulated it was just a party all the time and i'm you know i'm 13 years old. i'm like this is great um and uh so i went to umass amherst with uh, to their restaurant program i was pretty confident that i would be uh, an owner I think I probably had some uh, innate in- entrepreneurial uh, gene- genealogy mm-hmm. going on. And, and I was said I wasn't going to work for a large corporation. I was at, uh, going to get to my own restaurant and, and uh, started a catering business in my uh, mid-20s with a friend who was a chef uh, and classically trained. And we started saving all our money. And then we got busy enough um, or frustrated enough that we knew we needed some uh, brick and mortar. We were doing our... Uh, all our work out of our houses, our kitchens. And so we started looking for a storefront. And uh, as it happened, my father-in-law, uh, who worked for the city of Lowell, my wife's hometown at the time, 
uh, pointed out that there was an empty uh, restaurant building in the downtown area that had been abandoned more or less for a year, but it was you know, pretty close to turnkey. Now we were looking for a deli storefront and this thing was uh, 12,000 uh, square feet, three stories, uh, historic, um, historic uh, uh, designated, um, you know, like iconic building in the city of Lowell, which was built during the uh, industrial revolution. And uh, I mean, we fell in love with the space. It was way more than we were looking for or were really even ready to handle. Uh, but we negotiated an amazing opportunity, which allowed us to protect our uh, both our upside and our downside, an important uh, uh, business, um, you know, uh, uh, principle mm -hmm. that uh, I think we, I don't know if we knew it at the time, uh, but it's what we did. And, um, and the city needed a quality restaurant. Uh, so we put up quality restaurant, knowing that it was a steak and potatoes town. And I laugh because through the years I've developed this, you know, we're a steak and potatoes country. So, you know, you can deviate one way or the other, but you have to have those staples. And so we created those staples and then added a little bit of imagination and ethnic twists and, um, and, uh, and did our thing with a really great food, but approachable with the tavern and a function room and, and, uh, I think 10 years later, I was restless and wanted to create more opportunity for our managers um, because I was in their way uh, and, yeah. uh, and, and I am a creative by, by nature. So once again, we opened, you know, Kathy and I opened Cobblestones uh, and she chose the name to go with the historic perspective of Lowell. Uh, but um, we, uh, we chose a restaurant that would satisfy what we were looking for when we were 30 years old. Mm -hmm. uh, we wanted a fresh burger and a green bottle of beer opposed to diner food or, 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 or bar food. Uh, right. So that's what Cobblestones was. And 10 years later, as um, lounge dining was emerging in Boston, uh, you know, with um, Ming Tsai and, and uh, Blue Ginger. Um, and I always was intrigued uh, by um, cultural influence uh, growing up where I did. Uh, and being exposed to so many different cuisines and small plates dining was emerging. So Moonstones was opened 13 years later um, with, the, uh, with the idea that we would sort of progress the suburbs, you know, give them an, uh, an urban metropolitan experience in, in the sleepy suburbs of Chelmsford, only five miles away from our current restaurant, our first restaurant, mm -hmm. um, and sort of flip the coin. So Cobblestones, you know, sturdy, underfoot um staple and then moonstones a little bit more ethereal uh you know the moon and, and yeah and, uh, uh, moonstones is an oyster in rhode island we found out so we uh, we wanted to feature a uh, seafood and raw bar we built a raw bar and a great cocktail list and, and that brings us to you know uh stone social which we opened a year ago in the middle of the pandemic because that's what we do we open <laughs> restaurants during recessions and the bottom of the economic downturns uh, so if you're ever going to make an investment you know, uh, watch what we do the next time we open a restaurant take your money out uh, <laughs> that's kind of the way we roll and and stone social it was wasn't built for kathy and, and i's preferences but in fact we saw a lot of trends occurring in the industry and we're getting older and, 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 and what are our kids going to want uh, to, to, to do when, when they're all done with Chipotle. 
um, and ready to actually spend a little bit more money. So we created Stone Social with with more a, a younger a younger demographic in mind, and in response to industry uh, changes and challenges that 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 were predictive um, and only exacerbated now uh, uh, beyond COVID. Right. That's a yeah. That that that's a great story and a. Uh, a long story because you've been doing that since your what mid twenties. You said when you got started. Uh, I was intent to have my own restaurant by the time I was thirty, and we signed the lease while I was twenty nine. We did not open the doors until uh, five days after my thirtieth birthday. But wow. yeah, I'm fifty eight, so for twenty eight years, uh, I've been running restaurants, and mm-hmm. I'm not you know I'm not fast. You know, we're trying to we're t- the the third restaurant is a beta site. And we do want to um, recreate it, uh, and I've hired a director of operations uh, to help me do that. Um, I was, I'm never in a hurry. I want to get it right, and I want to grow responsibly, and I'm too old to have a, a failure on my, uh, on my resume. So we're three for three thus far, and, and I'm okay with that. Uh, hey, there's nothing wrong with batting 100%, my friend. That's, uh, That's right. That is uh, something that not too many people can pull off, and, and that, you know that that makes it an amazing story in itself. With uh, 28 years of doing it uh, and doing it on your own, and um, you know I love the idea of Stone Social, um, you know, kind of having a growth um, pattern, you know, built into it. And and are you guys thinking of the uh, franchising model? Or are you thinking of um, just owning them as as company owned stores? I think that uh, all options are on the table. As I said, it's a beta site. It's number one. It's uh, it, you know, I'm yet to. I'm not considering yet a proven concept, although we love it, and the feedback has been amazing. We just hired some consultants that helped us launch it to come back in and do a, a review, um, and give us some uh, opinions uh, on growth strategy. Uh, so I, you know, I, I think that we have some targets in mind what we want to do for sales and how many stores we want to open over the next five to 10 years. And, uh, you know, then we'll see what happens. Uh, if I can continue to own them and, and have others direct them and, and, and continue their success, that's fine. And, you know, or, or franchise is fine too. It'll, I think it all depends on, on where we are in a few years. And yeah. I, I, think I, I don't see retiring Jeff, you know, I love what I do. Um, but, but I can no longer be the boots on the ground. Uh, right. So, right. Um, well, if I, I can keep the right people in place and create uh, opportunity and enthusiasm and passion uh, through, through them, uh, then I'm, I'm all for going as far as we can take it. Yeah. Well, I, I like that. And, and I'm kind of the, one of those guys that, um, well, you know, I can't really decide. I think one of the biggest, the biggest <laughs> uh, questions for anybody uh, looking to grow their restaurant is, um, you know, which way do I go company owned or franchise? And, uh, you know, there's pros and cons to each. Sure. Um, I like owning my own stuff and uh, and trying to find those operators who will, uh, will you know, take it as their own mm. uh, and, and go with it. But then again, I've never had a franchise business. So you know, yeah. maybe I'm missing out on something there. But um, it, it's a tough choice. And sure. uh, I guess opportunity, you know, may drive that as well. If, um, you know, with the staffing challenges we have today. I don't even know if you try to give someone a restaurant, if you can get them to come to work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, it is a challenge. And, and you know, I think the, the, the big um, downside for me to franchising is I think that uh, what we do is entrenched in culture uh, and, uh, 
and uh, you know, in, in responding or, or, or looking at some of the questions that you posed prior to the interview, uh, you know, what, there is nothing more important to me than our culture and, and who we are and how we represent. And I think it is the key to success, uh, to how I define success anyway. Um, so figuring out how to uh, perpetuate um, and deliver on, on, on guest expectations based on who we are, I think it's more much more difficult uh, if somebody else is, is controlling that role. Yeah, that, that makes a hundred, you know, total sense uh, all the way around. And, um, you know, and, that, and that'll probably lead you in a different direction from the franchise model, but who knows, time, no, time will tell. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, yeah. you know what's funny, my, my restaurant hero is uh, Danny Meyer um, in New York City. And, uh, and he had to be convinced uh, to open Shake Shack. Um, and I don't know if today uh, he is you know, he has um, delivered on his vision of maintaining uh, the culture of hospitality that created his restaurant group in, in Manhattan. Mm -hmm. um, but he had to be convinced that it could happen, that he could franchise the model, a model and still, and, and he wouldn't have to be there to make sure that his ideals were represented. So be curious to know what he has to say about that today. Yeah, that um, maybe we can do a little outreach and uh, and and get him on the show and and kind of get his take on that. That would be that would be a beautiful thing. I'll, I'll I'll watch that one for sure. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Well, um, you know, kind of following that uh, that information I'd sent across, um, I, it kind of moves us naturally to talking about challenges and and obstacles that have been in your path and. Um, you know, I'd love to hear one or two of the kind of the bigger things out, outside of COVID, although we can talk about COVID separately, but anything in particular jump out that's been uh, a challenge for you that you've been able to overcome? You know, uh, I, as I looked at your list of choices, I think what popped out to me was most was training uh, because 28 years later, I'm still trying to figure out the right way uh, to train. And to, uh, again, back to that culture, but not just culture, standards and procedures. And uh, I, I think one of the greatest challenges of our business uh, is, is uh, innately uh, connected to the one I just mentioned, yeah. turnover and attrition and training. You know, we have so much turnover and so many people coming through. Uh, how, do you, how do you maintain, uh, you know, to the standards that you expect and your guests expect uh, without excellent training. And I would say that we have good training, um, but I surely wouldn't rate it excellent. Uh, and as we look to um, uh, recreate this new concept, uh, it's, it's omnipresent uh, right now on, on figuring out what way we're going to go and how we're going to execute on, on getting everybody, getting everyone and keeping everyone on the same page. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, that's definitely a big one for for all businesses, but specifically in the um, uh, restaurant industry or hospitality industry. Yeah, um, I had heard somebody say, um, "What was that quote?" It was something about they they hire for um, for attitude and then train for excellence. That's right. That's um, exactly correct. Yeah, yeah, and and I like that. It took me a minute to pull that out of this old brain of mine, but 
Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's you know increasingly difficult, and and with the the way the market is today, and and you know all of us are or all the restaurant owners specifically, and every business is struggling for people. Um, how are you guys kind of getting through that uh, right now with with being able to find and and retain people? Well, uh, I can tell you the, the first part of the uh, the answer is that we we created a model that requires less people. Um, our industry was already headed for a labor deficit um, before the pandemic, and the pandemic has only exacerbated that situation. But um, and uh, in finding people, we're dedicating uh, one of our uh, our managers. You know, a good third of their time is being spent every single day recruiting, recruiting, recruiting. And if they show up for the interview. <laughs> Uh, which is these days, you don't know if they're interviewing just so that they can check the box for unemployment, which now is, you know, is, is going away. So, uh, but everyone thought that would be the windfall and it's not, you know, it was an easy to blame, easy victim to blame, you know, the government paying people to stay home, but that's really not the crux of the issue. It's probably just a small part of it. Um, I think that you have to work harder than ever before to retain uh, you're, you're good people. We're paying higher wages than we ever did. Um, and we are writing the book, you know, um, find them, keep them, find them, train them, keep them to quote my previous director of operations. Um, you have to keep what you have. And sometimes it's just, it's not possible. Every, you know, the restaurant business is, the business is wrought with people on their way to somewhere else. Yeah. You know, it's great part-time work. It pays well for college students and, and second jobs and, we're still trying to figure that out, Jeff, honestly, but we are back to, we're as close to being fully staffed now as, uh, as pre-pandemic times. And we're, uh, two of our restaurants are now opening another day of the week, which we haven't been able to do for months. Nice. Um, so we're very inspired by that. Uh, and, uh, and I think we're managing uh, different, uh, differently uh, and, and setting different expectations also for the guests as well. We just turned down a, a party that wanted to come in at four o'clock on a Sunday when our hours are going to be 1030 to four mm -hmm. and I'm like not going to ask the staff to stay two more hours. You know, we've been in a business of yes, yes, yes. For so mm -hmm. long. I think we've even to some degree created our own monster um, in trying to compete for business because it's such a competitive industry with such a small profit margin that I think, you know, we say yes, 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 uh, way too much to our own detriment. Uh, and I think now, you know, you'll get to a question later. I'm already starting to answer it. But what's changing? I think that we have to do some changes internally um, and uh, and lower the expectation. I was in a supermarket the other day and it, uh, and it blew my mind how many choices of milk there was. Uh, I don't, you know, I don't shop all that often. And from, you know, from the percentages of normal milk, sorry, normal milk, you know, cow milk, you know, and then there's cashew milk and almond milk and soy milk and oat milk. And I'm like, people actually, you know, come to the restaurant and you, they order coffee and they want to know if you have oat milk. I'm like, good God. I'm like, how can we ever succeed if we are meeting every single whim and, um, and expectation of our guests? Um, it's a recipe for failure. So I think that the pandemic is is making us, you know, sort of leaner, meaner uh, is our is our internal um, rally cry right now. Yeah. Let's shrink our space. Let's shrink our staffs. 
Um, let's keep our standard and our reputation high um, and, and play the long game uh, to make sure that, that at the end of all of this, um, at least we have our integrity. Yeah, I, I like that. And, and, you know, I think you're exactly right. Um, you know, as a consumer uh, and a frequent restaurant guest, um, you know, I think since pandemic, my expectations are not what they once were. Um, and I don't know if it's because I know the business and the industry so well, or if it's, if it's just, I've been trained now, you know, since COVID to expect a little bit less. And, and by that, I mean, you know, maybe I have to wait a little longer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe I've got to look and see that there's five empty tables over there on the right hand side and wonder, you know, instead of getting mad about not being seated at one, I understand, hey, yeah. they're not using those tables because they got nobody to serve or they're short in the kitchen or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, I think I think you said it right. We've got to retrain uh, and lower expectations for consumers in some cases. And um and learn to say no. I, I really like that. Um, you know, you just you can't afford um, with the margins that you're running to to cater to every whim of every consumer that or every guest that's in your sh- in your shop. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? The other thing too, Jeff, is hospitality needs to sort of needs to go both ways, um, yeah. and it hasn't always. I, I've never liked the reservation system. Um, you know, it's like, and I understand it. Um, but reservations are a one-way contract. We're obligated to hold your table, um, but you're not obligated to show up or show up with the full amount of a party. And so we sit there with an empty table and you're half an hour late, um, and then you come with two instead of four. Well, that's meaningful revenue to us. Um, and, and so, uh, and I don't mean to sound angry, I'm not, um, but, you know, as, you know, there's a real shift going on in the industry and, and what we're doing right now is putting uh, statements on our menus and on our social media because people don't accept change easily. Uh, yeah. A lot of people are really, you know, they don't get it. Um, and it's not their fault. You know, we're try- it's hard for us to change. I mean, that, that thing I said before about saying yes, we've been saying our yes our entire career. I meet with my managers once a week and say, I know I've been asking you to go, go, go for 27 years. Now I'm asking you to got to take it down a notch because if they will wait for the table, once you seat them, they will not wait for the drink. They will not be okay with waiting 40 minutes for their dinner. And so what would you, how would you rather disappoint your guest? I couldn't get a a seat or I couldn't get my food. Uh, you know, it's a, you know, it's a, it's an easy decision if you're sitting in my chair and I can tell you, uh, we spent the last year uh, fighting for our survival. And when you're clinging to survival, uh, you know, like coming out of it now, it's like, what else can you do? You know, what, what else can you do to us? Um, you know, so I'm talking about society pandemic and, and, um, and, 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 you know, the pain of laying off a hundred employees, um, and then building back you know, with 10 and then 15 and then 20, you know, so you know, if we can't seat you right now because we can't serve you right now, then if that's not okay, we're okay if you go somewhere else. Right. Um, and we're asking on our menus and on our social media for folks to be patient and kind um, and understanding because we are still fighting uh, to get back to uh, some semblance of normalcy. 
Yeah, uh, absolutely. And, and I think those are great messages. And, um, you know, if, if we can get more owners to kind of fall, fall into that same trend uh, and start doing that with, with the consumers out there, then I think guests um, will slowly but surely have to change. And, you know, uh, another thing that, that that brings to my, my mind, and I know I jump around all over the place, but um, in the club. Yeah. Food prices, um, you know, being so high and, and your yeah. cost, your cost being being what they are today. I think, um, you know, I've noticed that when I go out to eat, it's it's definitely more expensive today than it was last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I expect that now. Um, mm-hmm. Are you are you getting any negative feedback from price? Well, let me ask you, have you made price changes and, and sure. are, you, are you getting negative feedback or everybody? Sure. Everybody OK? No. Um, you know what? It's a. Uh... I'll tell you a story to, you know, uh, at my own risk. Uh, last night we had an event in town um, and uh, in, in Lowell. Lowell has a lot of concerts and shows. And, you know, sometimes when two of them occur at once, we just get hammered. Mm-hmm. Well, we were f- legit hammered last night. Uh, we couldn't, we probably couldn't seat as many people as we did seat. And our people who have not been in this mode for, 18 months now and a lot of new staff you know a couple of them look like uh, deer you know deer in headlights um, and they did a wonderful job and they fought the good fight we got through it but at one point uh, a couple uh, who had waited an hour and a half they were the extreme uh, but they were disappointed they were late they were they were trying not to be late for the show they didn't get to enjoy the food so I said I, I'll take care of your dinner tonight and you'll come back and try us in a night when not everybody is trying to get to the same show at 7.30. And, uh, and I said, let me take your bill. And they said, no, we insist on paying. And they're like, it's $50. We only had a couple of hamburgers, but it's, you know, it's $50, $47. And I'm like, no, no, that can't be. I'm telling you my own restaurant. I looked at the bill. I'm like, oh my God, yeah, that's what it costs. A couple of burgers and a couple of soups and a couple of soft drinks. And we're at $50, yeah. um, you know, and, uh, and so was, I had my own sticker shock, but listen, we're not, you know, we're not recreating the wheel here. We're, we're maintaining the same standards So the hamburger costs us a dollar. We're selling it for three. You yeah. know, that's the way, you know, uh, you know, a 30% food cost is what has delivered us 27 years later. Um, and we're going to stick to that math. And if folks have to pay more for it, then they have to pay more for it. There's no choice here. You know, there's no, well, that's not true. There is a choice. We could make portions smaller. We could buy substandard product. Yeah. Uh, we could, you know, we could we could change our mode and compete with the uh, and compete with chain restaurants and serve frozen packaged food. And uh, but we won't do that. We'll we'll go out of business first. Yeah. Well, I I think I think you as well as many owner many other owner operators are kind of in that same boat. They don't want to change the standards. Uh, you know, they want to stick to the the quality that they're known for and not damage their reputation and um like i said it's you know it's it's noticeable when you go out to eat um you know what you're paying today but um you know i just i i had a i had a small sandwich with a bag of potato chips and and an iced tea um and it was you know twelve dollars and some change and Mm -hmm. it was not a big sandwich it was (laughs) you know there wasn't a whole lot to it so i was like you know, it, it, years ago, it seemed like that should have been five or six bucks, but yeah. I understand, you know, you don't like made, it, but, but that's how it is. We made a really hard decision uh, a month ago 
Well, we took, you know, we had really great chicken wings um, at all three of our restaurants. Not the same chicken wing, but, uh, but all three had really great chicken wings. And we took them off the menu. Um, after, you know, chicken wings are on Cobblestone's menu for 27 years. Uh, Moonstone's menu uh, for the whole 13 years. You know, like there's just no way the public is going to understand this thing that used to come in a giant bowl you know, for a quarter piece on football Sundays, you know, uh, I was at a restaurant, you know, it was in a vacation area this summer, but th- it was six chicken wings for $18. Oh my God. And I saw that. I'm like, I love wings just like everybody, I guess, but I'm not paying $18 for six wings. No damn way. Oh, uh, look, we just have to take it off the menu for now because there's no way we can afford to, you know, we can't afford the loss. And people will just not understand, yeah. you know, uh, like that's, that was the decision we made. So the chefs put, put fried cauliflower on the menu. But like, this is, this is thinking outside the box, right? You have to take the protein off and put a vegetable on and make it Buffalo style and spicy and crispy. And it's selling well, you'll never convince me cauliflower as a chicken wing, but, <laughs> but these, yeah, these but are the strategies being employed, my friend. It, it's a, it, it's a far cry. I had somebody tell me they went from chicken wings to, to uh, Buffalo chicken thighs. Uh, chicken thighs are great. It's just still not a chicken wing, you know? Yeah, No, it's yeah. not a wing, but you know, they yeah. were, they were trying to adapt just like, like you guys had to yeah, and, uh, yeah, yeah. still wanted to be able to be able to offer it. So yeah, it's just funny to uh, not funny, but it's interesting to hear all the different ways that uh, owners are having to go about making change and, and trying to find a way to maintain their margins um, to be yeah. able to, to survive. Because like you said, the food costs are, are up um, labor costs are up. Um, so, you know, right there's your prime and that's 60% of your, uh, of your cost. And, uh, if that suddenly becomes 70, you know, you're in trouble. That's right. That's <laughs> you right. are, you're, you're probably going down. Yeah, that's right. You got uh, that right. So, so what do you, you know, what do you do? You gotta, you gotta get creative and, and find ways to, um, to reduce that. And you guys sounds like you're doing just about everything. And I think some of our, you know, our listeners should get some great, great ideas off of what you shared um, to be able to help themselves do something very similar. As hard as it is, we got to make change. Yeah. 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 Well, I like what you said a little while ago and I mentioned that I went to a round table an industry round table yesterday on a very busy day full of meetings. I have never pictured myself as a meeting guy and I'm in more meetings these days. It is it is killing me. I mean, I'm going from meeting to meeting to meeting because, you know, you have to keep everybody on the same page and there's a, so much strategy right now. I haven't worked as hard in a long time. Um, I mean, I go to bed every night knowing that I gave it everything I had. I talked to a manager last night. I said, listen, thank you for your trust. I'm like, I don't, we don't have all the right answers, but we spend every waking minute trying to figure it all out. Um, and, 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 you know, and just re, you know, recapture, uh, you know, so we can get just get back to being hospitable and happy to see customers and and not have to worry so much. But there's an awful lot of worry associated with the with the direction our industry is going. I don't even know where I started just now, but yeah, well, that, that, well, that's okay. As as you were as you were speaking, I was uh, something hit my brain, and and I didn't I didn't prep you at all for this question, but it's pretty simple. I'm just curious about alcohol sales. Mm. Um, are alcohol prices? And shortage is also an issue. I haven't ever asked that. So no, much much less so. Uh, okay. Much less. So. I mean, we run into an occasional, you know, can't get that right now. Um, you know, there are there are more outages than than before. 
Um, but no, uh, there hasn't been a great, a great um, disruption uh, to alcohol distribution. I think the local brewer, uh, who is a friend uh, right here in Lowell Navigation Brewery, told me the other day he is working as hard as he ever has to keep supply. Uh, yeah. But that's because his demand is up. Uh, a lot of people drinking beer. <laughs> yeah, you got that right. So we I might not. Go ahead, I, thought, sorry. I was going to say we might not be able to eat, but we can drink. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> the bar is open. Yes, yes, sir. Well, we know. Curiously, uh, just for my learning, is you know, do you have a, a ratio of like the alcohol to food sales that you're you're chasing after? You know, to try to meet your your profit objectives or sure. kind of how does yeah. that how, how do you split that up i'm just curious uh, our two uh, legacy restaurants uh, have maintained uh, very close to 60 40 the entire time uh, my first restaurant was uh, closer cobblestone began a little closer to uh, uh, you know 55 45 food to beverage uh, but as we evolved through the years our reputation for culinary excellence sort of um, uh, steered uh, the concept uh, more towards dining than drinking. Uh, and yeah. so we're, we're pretty solid at 60-40. The goal of the new concept was to get closer to 50-50 um, for any number of reasons. But uh, it's funny, as we spoke to the consultants uh, 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 yesterday and, and recently, um, they were like, maybe we need to think about selling more food. Um, and the food is great, uh, you know, but uh, there's more, you know, there's more sales in the food there's more margin in the in the beverage there's more sales in the food so yeah. um, it's a you know it's a constant uh struggle to, to trying to figure out what the right you know the the ideal mix is yeah uh, we're about 55 45 at the new spot which is supposed to be younger hipper uh the, the idea is to be you know is to uh supplant the you know the local irish tavern with lighter and brighter uh but um but then have the food uh, be surprised and delight because the reputation of our previous two restaurants is the culinary is uh, so elevated and and um, and, and re reputed that our guests are going to come looking for that. So let's even though it's a grilled cheese, let it be the best grilled cheese they ever had. You yeah. know, it's kind of our our perspective at the new place. Are you guys doing any uh, catering business out of out of any of those? We re our catering business has uh, um, really dwindled over the years uh, for for a number of reasons. Um, lack of corporate um, representation in downtown Lowell. Uh, a lot of corporations left the um, uh, the Chumsford area as well. They're starting to come back, um, and and also because I think it stretched us too thin. Um, I think you, you do what you do best and, and, and people come for a great experience uh, at our restaurants. And uh, I, I think we just caterers who do catering really well, uh, like we're competing with people who do it full time and let's not let's not compromise our brand. Yeah. Um, so well, that, so that makes sense. Less. Yeah, that makes sense. And I just wondered, since you kind of started that way, you evolved out of it more, more or less. Yeah and um that's and, correct and you're right it is different it's it, it's a different business and um uh, those that focus on it directly are going to be tough to beat um yeah. and um focus is is important um i had a guest on not too long ago that was talking about um focus and one of the things they were doing from a leadership perspective 
was to um, really try to get his managers focused on what they do best. And, and he basically had them pick two things. Um, and so two components of their job, and that's all they could do. They had to learn to delegate everything else they were doing mm-hmm. uh, to try to bring up, you know, those, those that, that worked with them. Um, so that was, I just thought that was interesting. It's, um, you know, we all get stuck doing too much and, and wearing too many different hats. And, uh, if you have the ability to, uh, try to really, really focus on what it is that we do best, we tend to be more successful. So sure. uh, I, I like that strategy and, um, you know, it's w- w- with what you guys are doing and we've already touched on it, um, you know, training and, and leadership development. Uh, and all that. Have you, have you done any formal or, or gotten any formal programs in place yet in that regard? Or um, is it still kind of uh, you've got a training program, but it's more or less, you know, uh, for servers, for example, you follow each other around for a few days and you learn the menu and all that. But can you share just a little bit about your your training components that you're doing today and, and where you want to get that to? Yeah, well, I can tell you what we, you know, uh, my uh, my wife, who you know, one of your questions here is about uh, folks who have influenced you know my leadership style, and mm-hmm. and uh, you know I put a, a, a I, I maintain a long list of things that people have taught me throughout my career. It's a, it, it resides in my files, and I open it's open on my computer right now. I can tell you each person who taught me this thing, um, but there's nobody who's represented on that list more than than my wife. She's us was uh, very successful in business for many years and, and, uh, and a really smart person. And, um, and, uh, as we were talking about putting the training, uh, training program together for the, for the new store, mm-hmm. you know, she sort of, she sort of giggled, you know, at me talking about, she's like, well, are you still, are you still picturing people with paper and pen and pen and, and making checks and boxes? I'm like, I am. Yes, I am. <laughs> you know? So, that's what we've been, uh, and I've got file upon file. Uh, you know, we've got a list for it, Jeff. If it, you know, if we do it, it's on a list. Um, you know, opening side work, closing side work, sanitation. Um, you know, sales techniques, fifty-five star strategies. Uh, we we have it all on paper. Um, but the you know the thing I learned from a very, very prescient and beloved ex-employee who spent seven years with us um, finding her way in life once said to me, I don't learn the way she learns. Uh, You know, we all learn differently. And so sitting somebody down with a stack of papers to read and study isn't going to make them a better server, you know, And, and, and I'll never forget the day she pointed it out to me, you know, I was like, holy smokes. Yeah. She's right. I'm like, I can't read and learn. I'm like, that's not what I do. I watch and learn, you know? Um, so uh, we are still trying to figure that out, but I can tell you right now, it will be electronic. Yeah. <laughs> it will be electronic. And I was just, uh, I, uh, my director of operations uh, emailed me late last night, a deck from a large corporate training um, package uh, to study and, and take a look at, um, which is, you know, color, slides and do we yeah. turn that into video um, yeah. i think that video is probably the best way um i have a vision of a hologram uh you know <laughs> but 
but we'll talk about that later. I can't have you stealing my ideas. Yeah, yeah, I like that. That that sounds really cool. Um, I, I want to see it when you when you got it ready to roll. All right. Uh, but yeah, I think you're on the right the right track there, especially with the the younger younger generation. They're you know all about their phones and uh, electronic communications, and um, you know if they can pull it pull up that content right on their phone and and get it video and and even yeah. audio. Um, you know. Yes. It's, absolutely it's, it's the wave of the future now that now the challenge becomes getting all that good content that's on paper you know making sure that it's part of that that system getting it all in there sure sure you, you know it's funny um we had a uh we had a grad student at U- umass lowell a number of years ago approach us about putting together um some training uh, processes and uh and it was a really great uh great idea what, what he was doing he was creating games Mm-hmm. Uh, out of the training program, but the problem with grad students is they graduate and they move on. So, uh, and that's what happened. You know, we yeah. met a few times. I wasn't as engaged as I should have been to create a success in the window of time we had. Uh, but I love that. You know, if a bell rings when you get the right answer, you know, I'm 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 in. You know. Yes. Yeah. 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 That would that that would be cool. A little app on your phone and. Um, yeah, I like, I like that. And, and I know that's a big learning component out there these days. So I'm sure, um, you know, if you're looking into that now with, with some larger companies that are in a training business, you'll probably get all kinds of options. So, sure. um, hopefully that will cert will help with your, with your, uh, not only recruiting, but with your retention, um, you know, to cut the attrition and, uh, making sure that you're able to deliver the experience you're trying to deliver. Um, yes, sir. That is I, the goal. Yeah, all you got to do is get them in the door now. Yes. If, uh, That's if, number one. Yeah, if we come up with a with a, a way to solve that that challenge, then uh, I think we could uh, we could make us some money. Yeah, I know recruiters out there right now. They got their work cut out for them. You know? Yes, I mean, yes, sir. Yeah, my wife's in the staffing business, and um, I can tell you, she's uh, frustrated. Yeah. To say to say the least. It's hard. It is hard out there. I thought I actually thought that the labor market was going to turn into to our favor um, as you know, as restaurants closed because of the pandemic and that we'd have more more options. And uh, nothing could be further from the truth. No, people just, uh, you know, I think people are abandoning the, you know, that those jobs and and going on to something else. And, you know, just not they left and they're not coming back. Well, I don't want to lean too far left, you know, to your varied, um, your varied listener, but you cannot pay the rent uh, when you're a cook in a restaurant, um, you know, certainly not in this area. Mm-hmm. And so something has to change, you know, and we didn't create the system, um, but it's the system we're in and we need to work to make it better. Uh, yes, sir. And I yes, don't know what sir. the answers are, but I know people aren't going to spend $25 for a cheeseburger. They're going to, they're going to go to McDonald's and eat something that's less healthy and packaged. And, and, uh, I, I don't know. We're going into bigger, you know, bigger terrain right now, yeah, a little rougher yeah. terrain. That's for yeah. another, another day, right? Yeah. That, yes, sir. That's for another day. And then and I'm looking over at, I just looked over at my clock and realized we're getting close on the, on the timing. So, um, as we start to, to wrap up, I'd love to ask you, um, if you had any, pearls of wisdom or, um, or pieces of advice that, that you might give to other restaurant owners who, um, you know, we find a lot of, of a lot of folks have that one restaurant and they, they're kind of stuck at that level. Mm. Um, you know, stuck on the sales numbers, not really growing. Um, 
you know, any advice or words of wisdom for those folks to kind of help them get over that hump and take it to the next level? Yeah, well, I'll tell you, of, of the challenges that you presented for me to choose from, I, cho- I chose training to focus on, but obviously finances are, um, are, are closely tied to options. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the things I would say that I learned uh, later uh, was to trust the experts and, and to, you know, and to make the investment um, in, in expertise um, because you can find yourself in a, you know, in a real catch 22 trying to get ahead and you can't because you're trying to do it all yourself. Um, and, you know, there's only so much two hands can do. Um, so I think uh, trusting others, empowering others uh, is huge. Um, and, uh, and I think that you have to stick to your standards, you know, don't compromise on your ethics. Uh, I think that, um, there are times that we've closed stations and sacrificed sales tonight, uh, rather than staff it with somebody who doesn't care, um, is apathetic or mean or, 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 or oriented to blame and pointing fingers. We won't have that in our environment. Um, and so if we have to give up some sales today to, you know, to be better tomorrow, I think that, uh, I think that that's important that you have to, you know, walk the walk, you know, if you want everybody to be kind and, and hunt great results on behalf of your guests, then, then you have to do the same thing. Yes, sir. Well, I appreciate that. And, and is there any other thing on your list, uh, of, of peace, the, things that you wanted to share with us today that I failed to, to ask you or uh, to dig into enough? Um, no, I think, I think we hit a lot of, a lot of good things. Uh, I think that uh, work smarter, not harder. There's another one I've learned from my uh, wife. Uh, I, you know, I tell my chefs all the time, you have to, I know you want to come in and start playing with the food. Um, I get it. That's why you're a chef. You love this, right? But you have to sit down for half an hour each day and plan your day, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, and not find yourself running around like a, a maniac because you didn't take the time to think. Um, you got to allow yourself that time. You know, I think it's really important. And again, you know, this is the pot calling the kettle black. A lot of my lessons I've learned through the years by trial and error and doing the wrong thing um, and, and allowed myself to, to, you know, to become wiser. Well, I think that's, that's great advice. And, and everything that you talked about has been, um, uh, extremely helpful uh, for our listeners, and um, I'm sure some of them are going to go back and listen to it a few more times to try to try to grab all those pearls that you shared. Mm. Um, so thank you very much for your uh, sharing your story and your expertise, um, and uh, congratulations on on what you're doing. And we look forward to to seeing uh, that that third concept start to expand in the near future. Yeah, well, thank you, Jeff. Uh, we're very excited for the future. And, uh, and you know what, can I say one more thing? Absolutely. Uh, be, a, be a good community member. Um, yeah. You know, uh, I, I learned from a very wise person a long time ago, you know, what, you know, what comes around goes around. Take care of the people around you and, and it comes back to you in spades and the business and your people. So um, be out there, be out there and help help do right by others. Uh, you know, it's the golden rule if, you know, when, for those that go to church every week, right? It's good karma if you're, uh, if you play, you know, Frisbee or you're, uh, you're a Buddhist, right? So all yeah. of these things, you know, put it out there, take care of others and it comes back to you in space. 
Yes, sir. Absolutely. And a great, great piece of advice along with everything else you shared. And um, uh, again, we, for our listeners, we're talking to Scott Plath. We're going to have his website um, up here on the screen. Um, should be running here toward the, at the beginning and toward the end. Uh, but uh, Scott owns Stone's Hospitality Group. Well, he and his wife, Kathleen. Uh, and there's, there's, again, three, uh, three concepts today, Cobblestones of Lowell, Moonstones 110, and Stones Social. So if you're in the area, get over there and have a meal with these guys. We'd love to see you. Thank you, Jeff. Yeah, absolutely. And thank you again to all our listeners for joining us for another episode of the Local Leaders Podcast. We look forward to seeing you on our next uh, podcast. Thanks again. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Local Leaders Podcast. You can find us at www.jeffzpodcast.com or jeffzjohnson.com. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Thanks again for listening and be sure to come back every Monday and Wednesday for our next episode.